0: Bay Hills Community Church is pleased to have you join us as we begin a new series, I Ate Christmas. In today's message, titled, Alleviate the Loneliness of Christmas, Lead Pastor David Fossil helps us fight through the season as we acknowledge that for a lot of people, Christmas is not the happiest time of the year. Listen as he identifies some issues that perhaps many of us have struggled with and then gives us some ideas to resolve those issues based on some ideas in God's word.
1: That's funny because we all have at least one of those persons in our, in our family, don't we? At least one. Uh, w- would you agree that a holiday season, a big part of the holiday se- season is eating? Would you agree with that? It started last week with Thanksgiving, right, and we had the turkey and the stuffing and the pecan pies and the pumpkin pies, and, and then very, very quickly we transitioned to Christmas food. Have you noticed, I mean, they got all the Christmas cookies out and the Danish butter cookies, and Sandy and I were at Costco on Friday, it was awesome, because they were giving out all this Christmas chocolate, Giardelli's chocolate, and Belgian Christmas chocolate, and covered cookies, chocolate. I kept walking by the booths over and over again. Oh, I think I should try that again. And uh, I mean, then you got eggnog and it just goes on. You know, you go to Starbucks and they have their specialty, whatever peppermint mocha or whatever they have. And uh, eating uh, is, a, is a big part of, of getting together with friends and family. And it's a big part of the holiday season. We're just kind of kind of using that as a trampoline. in our series in December, uh, we have our series called I ate Christmas everywhere. We're going to have fun and show you some clip from a christmas movie that has to do with food but i want to point out something to you and and you saw it when we handed out those cards uh by the way speaking of eating uh did you know uh, that the average american will gain between five and fifteen pounds between thanksgiving and new years isn't that exciting and encouraging yeah by the way in between services please join us for donuts uh we would like to help you reach your goal wherever you're at on that but um we, we we wanted to, in this series, you notice that the, the the graphic, it's not just I ate Christmas, but originally it's I hate Christmas. But the H is crossed out and you go, who could, other than the Grinch, who could possibly hate Christmas? And I guess what I'm trying to do during this series is not not only have a little bit of fun and a play on words, and you'll catch on with the eight here in a moment, but but I want to acknowledge that for a lot of people, Christmas isn't the merriest time of the year. Christmas isn't the happiest time of the year. For some people, Christmas is really tough. And during this series, not only are we going to do the play on word things, but I'm going to try and identify a couple issues that maybe many of us struggle with and and try and fight through the season and try and resolve some issues. If you'll grab your study guide, you'll notice what we're going to look at this morning. We're going to talk about how, how to alleviate, there's the play on words, loneliness at Christmas time. How do we do that? Um, loneliness is an increasing and growing problem in the United States of America. A recent Gallup poll showed that four out of five Americans admit to frequent feelings of loneliness, four out of five. Uh, statistically, there's a- almost no difference between genders. Uh, I think it's 38% to 41% between male and female. Um, this is an issue in our country. The, the most recent census figures indicate that the number of Americans living alone has tripled since 1960 it's it's an issue um and then of course pretty much any study you look at will say that feelings of loneliness are uh increase and and come to the surface especially during the holiday christmas season and you would say well why is that why during this season this month of december uh do feelings of of loneliness um why are they enhanced it's not that hard to figure out um, you know, Christmas and the holiday season is the time of year when you're supposed to get together with, you know, friends and family. OK, that's the big year. Even if you don't want to, you get together with family right? and hang out. You you do realize that there's a chunk of people sitting around you that don't have any family here. They live in another state or another country. And so that becomes an issue. Well, I, we can't hang out with family. We, we don't have family that lives here, for example, Uh, And then, of course, you you know, you look on Instagram or on Facebook and it seems it seems it seems like everybody's having Christmas parties and roasting marshmallows and drinking eggnog except you, you know, and it's an illusion. But you you, you pick and choose what you're looking at. And there's this idea that it seems like everyone else is having fun except me. Um, Of course, Christmas is also the time of year. And this is very normal and it's very natural but it's the time of year that we especially remember and we especially reminisce of loved ones that have passed away. It's 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 normal. You, you know, you're going through the Christmas decorations and you'll see a an ornament or you'll see something that brings that all back. And it aggravates these feelings of loneliness, by the way. And maybe it's just me. But when I read the gospel story, um, I have a sneaky suspicion that Mary and Joseph were incredibly lonely that first Christmas. What do you think? I mean, here's a a young couple having their first baby in a cave. No one shows up, no friends, no family. Um, A famed psychologist out of Los Angeles by the name of Dr. Zunin says this. He says, despite the fact that the average American meets as many people in one year as their ancestors met in a lifetime 100 years ago, Loneliness is the main problem facing Americans today. Now, I don't know if it's true of you, or but I know that if we're honest, many of us have experienced loneliness throughout our lives at different periods of time. And so I want to talk to you about it. and and come up with some ideas based upon God's word in terms of what to do about it. If you have a Bible, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. If you're using one of the church Bibles, we're going to be on page 1199. 2 Timothy chapter 4, page 1199. I want to encourage you to grab your study guide as well. Um, these are what I call throwaway verses. You go, what is a throwaway verse or a skip verse? It's one of those passages and verses that we tend to just skip over because there doesn't seem to be much going on there. But then the minute you start drilling down deep, you figure there's, there's so rich, with helpful ideas to how to live life. And in this particular case, I think what to do when I'm experiencing loneliness. So 2 Timothy chapter 4 is where we're going to be. And let me just start reading for you and show you what it it starts out by saying. Verses 6 through 10, Paul speaking, he says, I am already being poured out like a drink offering. And the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. When Paul says, the time for my departure is near, he's not going on a plane to visit his family on the East Coast. Um, He is is identifying and looking at his life and and coming to the conclusion, I'm about ready to die. Uh, We know historically... That these last, this last chapter, Second Timothy four, was the last writing he did before he died. Within months, he was martyred under Emperor Nero. This is his last words. Um, it's his second imprisonment in Rome. The first was under house arrest. The second one, right here, as he writes, he's in a cold, dark, damp basement dungeon of a prison. In fact, if you're ever in Rome, you can go visit it. It's called the Maritime Dungeon, where they held the Apostle Paul just before he was killed and martyred by Nero. And so he, igno- I, I'm, in, I, you know, I'm, I'm coming to the end. And then now that alone sets the stage of imagining how he's feeling. But I want you to notice now what he says in, in verse 9 and 10. Let's put it up there. He says to Timothy, please do your best to come to me quickly. And now notice why he needs Timothy to come. Demas, because he loved this world, he he deserted me. I, we don't know what he did, but it seemed like he flaked on him somehow. He deserted me; he's gone to Thessalonica. Creasons, he he left; he's gone to Galatia, and, and then Titus, he left and he went to Dalmatia. Um, one of the books that I have in my study is a counseling book, and it defines uh, loneliness like this: a feeling of emptiness as a result of unwanted emotional isolation. A feeling feeling of emptiness as a result of unwanted emotional isolation. We don't need a a definition from a textbook to know what loneliness looks like and feels like. We know what it creates inside of us. We know how it can bring about sadness. We know how it can contribute to to discouragement and even more emotional trauma. Uh, We know it's no fun. Uh, By the way, that's the reason why solitary confinement has been used for hundreds and hundreds of years by governments as punishment because it works. Being put in, you know, it's one thing every once in a while, every one of us at some point we want to be away from people and be by ourselves and every once in a while that's nice to do. I don't know anyone who enjoys being lonely though. No one enjoys being lonely. What I want to challenge you to do is wherever you're at on the loneliness scale, one of the first things that you have to do is you have to have the courage to admit it. Have the courage to admit it. This past Tuesday, I was at our CR meeting that meets right over there once a month, and and any kind of meetings like that that's recovery and and dealing with issues where it's, whether it's alcohol or codependency or anger, any issue you have, the first task is to admit it. If you don't admit it, you're living in denial, and now you're going to go down a whole another path that's going to create all kinds of other issues. Just admit it, and you don't have to whine about it or just be. You know what? I'm I'm going through a period in my life. I. I feel a little lonely every once in a while. And it's important to verbalize that one to yourself, two to God, and then three to a few others that maybe can help you. Just go right over there to that prayer room and say, hey, I got a knit. Could you just pray with me? You've got to verbalize and admit it. And then you've got to come to the point where you figure out why. Why am I feeling this way? Um, Just to help you analyze and think about loneliness, uh, let, let me let me tackle it from an angle and and share with you some misconceptions, some untruths about loneliness. Let me show you what I mean. Let's put it up there. Some people think loneliness is a sign of weakness. It must be weak. You know what? All you, all you got to do is look at this book. And beyond that, you can look at biographies of, of, of others. But just in this book, God's Word, you've got individuals like uh, David, when he's in a cave by himself, lonely. You've got Moses in the wilderness, Lonely. You've got Job after he loses his family, lonely. Heck, you have even Jesus up to three times, one in the desert, one in Garden of Gethsemane and one on the cross that are pretty certain he's confessed. I'm feeling lonely. So I, I don't I wouldn't go there. By the way, the top two groups of people who experience loneliness, overachievers and leaders the last group of people you would think of as quote-unquote weak. So I don't think loneliness is a sign of weakness at all. Some people will say, well, there's, there must be there's something wrong with me. Honestly, I think it's exactly the opposite. Exactly the opposite. Um, loneliness is you coming to the understanding and, and, and resolution that you were created for relationship and for community and for friendship. Just like God was. So you are created in the image of God. and the image of God, God doesn't exist independently of them. It, 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 God exists in community. It's called the Trinity. You are literally living out a theological truth. It has nothing to do with something being wrong with you. It has everything to do with something being right with you. Okay? These next two kind of go together. Some people think, well, being single or living alone automatically equals loneliness. You know what? The size of the group you're in has nothing to do with whether you're lonely or not. Would you agree you could be in a crowd and still feel lonely? It doesn't just because you have a lot of people around you doesn't automatically mean you're not going to suffer and experience loneliness and vice versa. Just because you live alone doesn't automatically mean you have to feel lonely or be lonely. And the, the flip side is very important. Getting married automatically doesn't solve loneliness, That's a misconception. Tell uh, trust me as someone who's met with dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of couples over the years. And uh, one of the hardest things to do is to try and encourage someone who's married and they they feel lonely. They don't feel close to their their spouse. That's the that's hard to do. But don't believe that for one minute. Don't believe for one minute. The way I solve loneliness is just go out and, and, and and, you know, meet someone or, you know, be with someone. That can help, but be careful with that. That's not necessarily the answer, okay? And then the last one, there's not much I can do about it. I don't think loneliness is a sin, but I think you get dangerously close the minute you allow loneliness to control you or you allow loneliness to destroy you. Loneliness is going to be part of our life, um, but it does not have to rule our life. And anything that destroys us, I'm just telling you, I don't think our Heavenly Father is very happy about. So there's a lot that we can do about it, and we're going to talk about that this morning, okay? Well, like I said, one of the things is understanding loneliness, and why do I feel, why do I feel that way? You know, And sometimes it's weird. I, I shouldn't feel this way, but I do. I feel a little bit lonely. Ident- I, I, I admit it, and then identify the cause. Paul's cause. I'm in prison, and I have no friends but that's, I don't think that's any of us here at this point, right? So what are some of the main causes? Let me show you, let's put it up on the screen. Main causes of loneliness, mobility of individuals. Uh, 75 years ago, you were born in one spot, You went to school in that same area. You found someone to marry from that same high school or area. You worked there, and then you had a family there, and then you died there, all in the same area. Well, now we live in a day and age where people are moving three and four different times, crossing state lines, and that contributes to separating friendships and relationships that once were very strong. So just understand that. Okay, The mobility of society has contributed to that. The urbanization of society. Over the years, when people have moved from the farmlands and the countryside and come together to form these things we call cities, originally it was thought, how could all these people together is going to contribute to more relationships? Actually, sociologists tell us it, we see the opposite happening. I once read an incredibly interesting article about how the, the effects uh, of air conditioning and how it's destroyed relationships air conditioning. Here's how the discussion went. Years ago, when it was really hot outside and there was no air conditioning, what would you do to cool down? You'd go outside. You'd sit in your backyard. You'd sit on the porch. You'd open the garage door and maybe play some ping pong out there. You'd go to the park. You were outside. And while you were outside, heck, you'd see someone walk their dog by your house and you chit chat. You were chit chatting with the person in their backyard and it would contribute to relationships and friendships. And then air conditioning came around. And now when we're hot, what do we do? We go inside, shut the door, close the garage, shut the windows, be by myself. And, and it's just on and on and all these different things of living in a city that are doing the opposite of bringing us together. This next one is absolutely fascinating. TV and technology, all kinds of studies been done on it. The more TV, we, I remember when TV didn't even start like until four in the afternoon. You remember that? Right. That's how it was. And then, you know, the sparse Star Spangled Banner would come in late at night and it was over. Now you can watch TV over and over and over and over. It's not that funny, Terrence. I'm not that old. Um, he's just, uh, you know, and and the more TV you watch, you tend to be the more isolated. And believe me, I love my TV. I do. I love my shows. This next one, when it comes to technology and social media. Hey, I know, you know, we love social media and we, we there's a lot that has contributed to our lives. But it creates, sociologists tells us, a, a, a fake sense of friendship and community, not the kind truly intended when God created us to be human. Um, just because you have X amount of friends on your Facebook page or people that are following you on whatever does not automatically mean you have the kind of community that God intends you to have. So all I'm saying is this, do it, have fun with it, but don't over-rely on it to deal with issues of loneliness, okay? Great, you hooked up, you connected with some high school friend you haven't seen for years. Wonderful. But go outside of that when it comes to developing a relationship. Fear of trusting others, self-defeating behaviors. You say, what is fear of uh, self-defeating behaviors? Well, let me explain it this way. If you are um, hurtful, sarcastic, if you're selfish and rude, if you're an angry elf... Why would anyone want to spend any time with you? You you see what I'm saying? If you're kind of a jerk, they don't want to have you over for dinner. Every single one of us have personality quirks. Every single one of us. Some of you are looking at me like you don't believe me. Turn to the person next to you and say, he's right. Go ahead. Just do that. Go ahead. He's right. You do. He's right. Now, some of you are explaining the quirks to your spouse in there, and everything. don't do that, okay? Every one of us has personality quirks and personality flaws. I don't care who you are, right? Now, some of us go, "Yeah, that's just who I am." Really? That's where you're going to go with that? Because I don't think that's where God wants you to go with that. He wants you to sand down the rough edges and, and become a better you. And in the see, I'm just trying to keep it real. Some of us are causing this problem on our own. You're not as nice to be with. you got to change a couple things, okay? That's what, we, what, what they mean by self-defeating behaviors. The last one is the obvious one. It's the one that we normally land on. It's situational causes, things that happen in life that put us in an environment where loneliness kind of grows, okay? So let's just go through some of these. If you're widowed. You know what, I, let me just see if I can explain this. If if you've lost a spouse, that's already traumatic enough. If you've been with them for umpteen years, you know, whatever, 40 years or more, whatever, it's especially hard. And it is normal for you to feel hurt and feel pain and feel lonely and have challenges, okay? Honestly, as your pastor, I would be more concerned for you if you didn't have those feelings. Does that make sense? The fact that you're feeling and having some pain, it tells me you're human. Now, can you cope? Yes. Can you improve? Yes. Okay? But it's just the reality. You lose someone, especially a spouse, it's hard. So don't bury it. Try and process it. Okay? Uh, This is interesting, especially first-year college students that move away. Uh, give high indications of loneliness. They go from a family unit to living on a a, a, a floor with three hundred guys, and I kind of know everybody and don 't know anyone, but it just know if you 're heading off to college, kind of expect that for a little bit. The elderly is a common uh, uh, for, for, for people to feel lonely, prolonged illness if you 're divorced it 's tricky. You know, again, let's go back to this season. You know, you used as a family used to be together, but now, you you know, you split up. And not only do you not have a spouse, but the kids go with them, your ex one week and you. It just gets tricky. It gets hard. So all I want you to do is look on the screen and try and figure out if if I'm feeling lonely, can I try and figure out Why? See, if you can figure out why, you don't, you don't need a book. You don't need Dr. Phil. You don't need Dave necessarily. You can almost start to come up with a strategy on your own. So start to think that through. Okay. Let's, let's keep reading. Let let me show you what, what he says. Uh, verse four, uh, verse 10 and and 11. Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me. He's gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia. Titus has gone to Dalmatia. These are the people that are out of my life. But then he mentions only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. Uh, One of the key ingredients to dealing with loneliness is you've got to be very proactive in developing relationships. You can't just sit back and wait for someone to become your friend. You've got to go out of your way to develop relationships and friendships. And it takes more effort than you originally think it would. It takes effort to build friendships and relationships. Now, real quickly, let me give you the different levels of friendships, okay? Let's put it on the screen. We're going to start at the bottom. Level one is acquaintances. These are people maybe almost like people at church. You you kind of recognize them. You only know their name because of their name tag. They're kind of acquaintances type people. Level two is casual friends. Maybe, you you know, you're in a Bible study together or you, you've got the health club together or you work together. You're kind of casual friends. You don't spend a lot of time together. Then it moves to level 3 you've got good friends right people that you really start to open up with then you've got close friends these are people maybe you go on vacation with them or you celebrate birthdays with them and then level five is best friend or best friends okay now what you need to understand when you look at the screen is it's i'm not just talking about level four and level five uh relationships and friendships Certainly, that's what Luke and Mark were to Paul. But when you look at the end of the book, he talks about people that are on level one and level two. You have to develop every single level because every single level contribute to your life in a different way. Now, here's why it's so important for you to hear this is your personality type will make you sway in one direction or the other. Some uh, of us here are very, uh, type A, you know, I, I know a thousand people. I don't know their name, I but I know a thousand people, and you're kind of level one, level two. You know, got a ton of people, right? But I don't have a ton of close friends. And then there are others of you, you consider yourself to be more serious, you know. You don't have a clue who all these people are sitting around here. You've got one or three friends that are really tight. And you gravitate towards level four, level five relationships. And I'm telling you, you need every single level. At the very least, I promise you, there is someone in your life right now who's a level two person. They're just a casual friend. If you got to know them a little bit better, they could go to level four, level five. You just don't know them well enough yet. You have to keep developing all these relationships and friendships. It's important for your health. Let me, let me try and explain it to you this way. I I haven't, I haven't shared with you yet any, um, any pictures from, from my Africa trips. uh, Jesse uh, and I went to Africa this past May. We did three conferences and ministry conferences and in between they would sneak us away or we would go away and we would do a safari, right? Have it. You guys want to see a couple safari pictures? Let me show you real quick. These are all taken by my daughter. Okay. One day, that's in Masai Mara in Kenya, we saw thirty thousand zebra. Wow. Crazy, okay? It's just out there running around. Let's you know this next one is pretty cute. These are all uh, by by just mama and and baby. I mean, and again, it's just amazing. Their eyes, they look different at the zoo that what they do in the wild. It's just amazing. This next one is pretty interesting. Let's put it up there. Now, let me tell you the story behind this sucker. Um, we're driving around in this little van with another couple and it's a van you can open up the roof and you can look out and take pictures and for one for whatever reason one one morning we're driving for like fifteen minutes nothing no animals and so I'm like Pff. so I asked our driver I said you know we came to this wonderful plane you know and I said could I would it be okay if I stepped outside of the van and my daughter took a picture of me with the thing in the background? And he looked back at me as if to say, you stupid white American, let you out of them. And I was like, why not? He goes, you don't know what's out there. I kid you not. Ten minutes later, we're driving. And he says, I think there's something over there. And he's driving over this big, tall grass. We came across 10 lions. He looked back at me and he said, they would have eaten you. You guys would have been looking for a pastor. Yeah, he gave me that look. You know, so then, right after this, this is what you see, you know it's just so cool, but the picture I want to talk to you about my favorite picture of the whole trip is this one right here. Aww. just because it's it's creative, but it's also I, I want to talk to you about those birds that are on that 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 the giraffe's neck. Those are called buffalo birds, and they play and they have a very unique role that they have in this part of the country in part of the world, I should say. They normally latch themselves on to the backs of large animals. So by their name, buffalo, birds, buffalo, elephants, rhinoceros, and giraffes. And I think you know what they do, right? They latch themselves on, not because they want a free ride. They latch themselves on because they have this relationship with the larger animal. What the bird gets out of it is it, it will stand on the back of the giraffe and these large animals are just infested with parasites and bugs. So what they do is they just sit there and eat. This is this is like, you know, a buffet for them. It is. They just eat away and they fill themselves up. What does the giraffe get out of the deal? Doesn't itch as much. He's not scratchy enough. The other thing that's very interesting, and I, we found this out, most large animals... Uh, in, in Africa especially for example the rhinoceros they have very poor eyesight and one of the things these buffalo birds do is when danger is coming they will let out a high-pitched shrill to warn the animal and normally danger is either a lion or a man with a gun that's danger for them high-pitched shrill so that they can get away and protect themselves now What you see on the screen, biologists call this a symbiotic relationship. If you've uh, you know watched Discovery Channel or you were paying attention in biology class in high school, that's what they call it, a symbiotic relationship. You want to know what sociologists call what you see on the screen? They call it a friendship. What better way to define, I mean, I got your back, you got my back. I protect you, you protect me. We spend all this time together, right? If there's danger, I'll warn you, you warn me here's what i need you to do here's what i want you to get out of this little point here you got to find someone that's willing to eat the bugs off your back <laughs> does that make sense some of you're going to go home bump into someone who didn't go to church what was church about i don't know we're supposed to find someone to eat bugs off our back <laughs> on that's so what all of you remember but you'll remember why You've got to develop the relationships. You've got to develop the friendships. Let's keep reading. Okay, let's move on. He says, when you come, bring the cloak that I left with carpets at Tros, And also, please bring my scrolls, especially the parchments. Um, this cloak was a unique word used to refer to kind of like a poncho type of a jacket. It, it was a big, almost like a blanket with a hole in it. And you put it under. It was like a winter coat. So Paul is saying, please bring my winter coat. When he heads off on the on the missionary journey, it's summertime, it's warm, I don't need it. Now he's in a dungeon, it's wet, it's cold. What is he doing here? What he's doing is taking care of his body physically. I'm cold. And one of the things I want to encourage you to do when you're struggling emotionally, whether it's in loneliness or anything else, you've got to make sure and take care of yourself physically. The reality is is that when we are struggling emotionally, sometimes we let ourselves go. Physically, we're we're not careful about our hygiene. We're not careful about our health. We're not careful about our diet. We we overeat. We oversleep. We don't exercise. Um, One of the best things you can do for yourself emotionally is take care of your body. Eat healthier. Exercise. I've told you before, when I'm down, every once in a while I have a down day, the best thing for me is to exercise. And depending on what time of year, it's, it's racquetball or it's soccer or it's jogging or it's whatever. It helps. The, the other thing, notice he says, please bring my coat and also bring my scrolls. Bring my books. Bring my Tom Clancy books. I want to read them. Why? Let me, let me just talk to you about reading a little bit. And I, I've talked to you a little bit about TV and reading. Studies have been shown, uh, have done that the, the more re, uh, more TV you watch the more your lethargy will increase. The more reading you do, the more your energy will increase. And again, I'm not against TV. What I'm trying to challenge you to do here is figure out a way to stretch your mind. Stretch, pick up a book, go to a class, sign up for, do something to stretch your mind. Now what you have on the screen, this is not rocket science. The problem is many of us are not doing that. You're not doing it. And I'm telling you right now, you and I are more complex than we realize. And the point here is very simple. If you are mentally healthy and you are physically healthy, it will impact you and help you be more emotionally healthy. It interrelates one with the other. So this, it doesn't even sound very spiritual, but it's incredibly practical. And the best thing some of us could do As we leave here to deal with some emotional issues is start working on our mind and start getting a little healthier when it comes to physical issues, okay? Um, Let's move on. Next thing I want you to do, we talked about cause, friendships, we've talked about your body and your mind. Be on guard for the enemy, be on guard for the opponent, okay? Speaking of opponent, by the way, we have a big game this afternoon. And let me just, I want to please encourage you, uh, if you're a Niner fan, Please find a Raider fan after the service. Just give them a hug, okay? And vice versa. I don't want to be smack talking on each other, okay? We're, okay? I'm just glad it wasn't in the middle of the service. Can you imagine? If people are looking at their phone. Ah! Okay, let's get back to this. <laughs> be on guard against the enemy. Alexander, the metal worker, did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. You too should be on guard against him because he strongly opposed our message. And then he elaborates on what this guy did. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack. He's kind of referring back to this Alexander guy. And he will bring me safely to this, to his heavenly kingdom. We don't know much about this Alexander guy except for two things. One, he was a, he worked with sheet metal or metal or whatever. He was a metal worker Two, whatever he did. He hurt Paul deeply. Now, if you know anything about Paul, this guy's a tough dude. He's a tough dude. Whatever Alexander did was not cool. Let me just point and make make this point real quick. Um you do realize that sometimes people hurt us unintentionally. They're not meaning to hurt you. Maybe Maybe it's a sign of immaturity on their part. Maybe it's one of their rough edges on their personality. Maybe some people hurt us unintentionally. And then other people like Alexander, their motives are not good. And these people tend to hurt us intentionally. What I want to encourage you to do is be reminded that it's okay and it's wise to protect yourself. Don't leave yourself open to anyone and everyone because there are Alexanders out there and they will hurt you. They will hurt you emotionally. So just be wise. Develop friendships, but use discretion and discernment to know uh, certain people I probably should. I'm going to keep you at a lower level. Okay? So just understand that. Now, if you will allow me, I want to use this idea of Alexander and the enemy and being on guard as, as a trampoline and a launching point to talk about dangers, enemies, temptations we all face when it comes to loneliness. Because every one of us will have temptations to cut a corner and to try and solve it quicker than we ought by doing something we ought not. Okay, Let me show you what I mean. Let's put it on the screen. The, there are emotional temptations that some of us have when it comes to loneliness. We get bitter. We for, choose not to forgive. We get resentful. And that we become you know, self-pity and self-centeredness starts to rule our lives. And what I want to say is if you start going in that direction, you are now piling more onto your problems. Don't do that. Uh, Other other enemies and temptations are spiritual in nature. You start blaming God. You start doubting his word. You start second-guessing your faith. Don't go there. It's a shortcut not dealing with the real issue. There are also personal issues. Sometimes we overeat or we overspend, I'm lonely, so I'm just going to go buy a bunch of Christmas presents, you know, uh, uh, rushing into romantic relationships. I, I, I've mentioned this before. There's nothing wrong with, if you're single, wanting to be married. Nothing wrong with it. Just be careful that you don't lower your standards and eliminate things that are foundational for the kind of person God wants you to be with. Don't be picky, but don't go, wow, well, whatever. OK, don't rush into it. Think about it. It's important. OK, and sometimes we fall into this temptation. We just rush into it and it creates problems down the road. OK, the, the, the next two kind of are the same coin, opposite size, uh, workaholism. We work too much or just vegetating. We don't work enough. And then what is very, very common in our society, sometimes we turn to drugs or we turn to drinking to deal with loneliness. I heard of this pastor in the south. It was a a small country church, and he was preaching to his church, and he was preaching against drinking. And and he stood before the congregation, and he uh, he said, if I had all the beer in the world, I'd take it down to the river, and I'd throw it in. And all the people said, amen. And then he said, if I had all the wine in the world, I'd take it down to the river, and I'd throw it in. And all God's people said, help me out. Amen. And then he said, if I had all the whiskey in the world, I'd take it down to the river and I'd throw it in. And all God's people said, Amen. "And the Pastor sat down. He was real proud of himself. The song leader came up and he said, kind of timidly, he says, well, <clears throat> our closing song today will be hymn uh, 365 entitled shall we all gather at the river. <laughs> <laughs> Just be careful. Just be careful. I I don't know which one it is up there, but I guarantee you there's at least one word that describes you when it comes to feelings of loneliness or emotional issues. So just be careful. Uh, uh, Identify it as a temptation or an enemy, okay? Last thing I want to challenge you to do is this. You've got to recharge your spiritual battery. You've got to recharge. There are certain things that only God can do for you. I can't do for you. Your friends can't do for you. Only God can do for you. Psalm 25, the psalmist says this, turn to me and to be gracious to me for I am lonely and afflicted. Relieve the troubles of my heart and free me from my anguish. He openly admits I'm lonely. I'm hurting. What I didn't show you is verse 15. The source of his answer to loneliness. Let me show you. My eyes are ever on the Lord. For only he, only God will release my feet from the snare. Only God can truly recharge your spiritual battery. Rich and Kelly hurry! they come to our first service. They've been part of our church for years. They live like 10 houses from me. I see them all the time. And Rich and Kelly are super proud of their Fiat 500e. It's an electric car and rich. If you get him going, he will talk. He will give you a spreadsheet on how much fuel he saved. I mean, he's so happy, right? About and, and It's fine. It's a great little car and, and, and good for him. Now, one thing I, I got talking, well, how far can you go on your Fiat 500? Um, uh, you know, and he goes, I can go hundred miles. It's perfect. I can commute to work and come back. And at night I charge it up or Kelly can go around, pick the kids up. It's perfect. But then I asked him this, what happens after a hundred miles? He goes, oh, it just stops. (laughs) It just just stops, right? He goes, you've got to charge it up every 100 miles, you know? You and I are much like those Fiat 500Es. You can go and you can go and you can go, but there comes a point that if you don't recharge, you will stop something inside of you will shut down. And I'm telling you, you've got to figure out a way to recharge your spiritual battery, to plug in to the source, to the creator. Only he can give you this. Now, I'm going to do this real quickly, but I need you to pick at least one thing that maybe you're not doing, and you're going, I'm going to do that again. Let me show you real quick. It all comes from the passage again. Um, at one point he's talking about, he says, bring my books. And then he says, but especially bring the parchments. He's talking about God's word. We're absolutely convinced the word he uses there. He's talking about scripture. He's not talking about Tom Clancy's book. He's talking about scripture because in those days they didn't have this kind of book for scripture. They had scrolls and parchments. And he's saying, please bring the Bible to me. I need to recharge myself and I need to read it. And I just want to encourage you, there's a lot of us here that are not picking up God's word on a daily basis for even if it's just five minutes a day to recharge. And I'm telling you, it works. So go to that. The next one is God's presence. You know, this guy left me and that guy left me and this guy moved and that guy moved. He says, but the Lord stood right by my side. You need, you need to be charged up by God's presence. Now, I don't want to give you sub of of but let me. there's three S's that I want you to remember here, whether you write them down or not, the, to, to get God's presence. The first is salvation. It's the obvious one. In the book of Colossians, Paul says, at one point in time, you were alienated from God. Do you realize some of us feel spiritual loneliness because you have not accepted Christ as your personal Savior? You have not done that first S, salvation. If you have not done it, you need it. OK, it's not it's not a feeling. It's a decision. OK, S is for salvation. The second one st- stands for Sunday service, just Sunday service. Hey, you know what you're doing this morning is a way of recharging spiritually. Would you agree? So many of you come up to me and, and you go, I can't believe what you talked about this morning. It was like you were talking directly to me. Have you ever felt that way? It's like you were talking. Do you know why that happens? You know why that happens? You know, well, in the case, for example, of my friend Marlon over here, his wife, Michelle, calls me on Wednesday and tells me what he needs to work on. And I add it to the message (laughs) that was in the notes. I just saw you over there. (laughs) Other than Marlon and Michelle, you know why it is? It's God. It's not me. It's not me. I'm not that smart. It's God knowing each and every one of you where you're at. And there's something in the study that really reaches. He's wanting to talk to you. I just make this a a better habit. If you're only doing it twice a month, try to get to three times a month. If you're only doing it once a month, try to get to two, because it'll help you, okay? So you got salvation, you got Sunday service, the last one is solitude. Solitude is interesting, because you intentionally get away from people, you get away from noise, you get away from TV, you turn off your cell phone, and you get alone for the purpose of being with God. And if you've not practiced that, especially in this area we live that has a gorgeous outside, go on a walk and just be with God for the intent purpose of being alone with God, okay? So God's word, God's presence, God's purpose. Right in the middle of talking about I'm lonely and this is happening and that is happening, he says, but he's committed that the message might be proclaimed. He's committed to that. I I used to love listening to Zig Ziglar, and he used to say this. He says, you can have whatever you want as long as you help someone else get what they need. You know what he's talking about? Go do something and help someone else. Carl Menninger, the famed psychiatrist, said this. If you're lonely, lock the door behind you, go across the street, find someone that is hurting, and help them. Go do something for someone. Jesus said it this way. Whoever wants to be great among you must... First, be a servant. Could I tell you and give you a suggestion for for those of us that are here today that may be alone at Christmas on Christmas Day? Could I give you a better solution than staying home and watching Christmas Carol and Elf and It's a Wonderful Life all day? Go down to the rescue mission and volunteer to serve food for people that are homeless. Watch what it does to you. Watch what it does to you. You will come back because instead of focusing on your problems, you're focusing on God's purpose for your life, which is to serve people. So look outside of yourself. Go beyond your own problems, okay? So the word, God's presence, God's purpose, and the last is God's people. It's the people you're sitting around. Make sure you're spending time with them. I read a a sad but very inspiring story years ago. It's about a girl named Jamie, and she was in an accident. She was a little girl. She was in an accident, and she lost one of her arms. And not only did she go through the, very, the extreme pain that that would come around with losing a limb, but she was very, very self-conscious, um, which you can understand. And for the longest time, she didn't want to go to school, and the longest time, she didn't want to go to church. And her parents kept trying to encourage her. And finally, they, they heard, okay, she's going to go to church this weekend. And so mom... Decided to call the Sunday school teacher to, hey, Jamie's gonna be there and could you just look out for her and make sure there's nothing in the class that makes her feel awkward or weird and, and so, yeah, I'll do that, says the Sunday school teacher. Well, that Saturday night, the Sunday school teacher got sick and had to call a sub and they forgot to tell the sub that look, Jamie was gonna be there and, and so at Sunday school class that everything went well until the very end. And at the very end, this, this substitute Sunday school teacher wanted to kind of go over with the kids kind of a, 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 a child's rhyme that we probably all learned when we were young kids. And so the Sunday school teacher said, OK, put your hands together. You remember? And this is this is the church and this is the steeple and open up the doors. And there are all the people. And all the kids did it except Jamie. And tears welled up in her eyes. Little boy saw what was going on little boy got right next to her and he put his hand up she put her hand up together they made the church and the steeple and together they remind us what it means to be the people of the church 98 percent of what i've been talking about this morning is about trying to help you overcome loneliness this last two percent is challenging you to look up and look around and maybe go to someone and say, what are you doing this Christmas? Oh, I'm going back. Okay, fine. But you're going to find someone that maybe doesn't have anywhere to go. And I'm not suggesting you invite them over for your special family time. But you know what? Making just a little bit more food for that one meal and inviting them is probably a good thing to do. What do you think? Don't forget we're the church we're the church and it calls us a family for a reason okay let's stand we'll close in a word of prayer dear heavenly father thank you so much for this christmas season thank you for what it represents more than anything else thank you for the reminder that jesus came so that we would not be lonely and isolated from you heavenly father we're so grateful for that Father, for anyone here this morning that's um, that's struggling with loneliness for whatever reason it is, I pray you would encourage them. I pray that every one of us, but especially them, could grab one or two little nuggets this morning, uh, could apply it, and you could give them a little light. Uh, Father, we love you. Bless us this week. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: It's our hope that today's podcast has enriched your life and answered questions you may have had. If you'd like more information about what was said in this podcast or about Bay Hills Community Church, you can reach us on the internet at www.bayhills.net. Bay Hills, located in El Sobrante, California, is radically committed to reaching the unchurched in the Bay Area and to developing believers into fully devoted followers of Christ.